You're listening to the podcast series for the 2017 Shalom Sydney Jewish Fighters Festival. I'd like to welcome Bram Presser to the Shalom Sydney Jewish Writers Festival podcast. Hello, Bram. Hello, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Now, we're going to talk about your debut novel. Yes, The Book of Dirt. The Book of Dirt. It's, it's really my quest to find out the story of my grandparents, but then told through a lens of, of, of mythology, basically. So my grandparents died without telling their story, which is not an uncommon experience for Holocaust survivors. But we had this kind of view of them that we thought was their story. And my grandfather, he was like a well-known guy in, in Melbourne. He was like a, the, the kind of um, Hebrew grammar doyen of, of, of Mount Scopus for 40 years. Like He taught everyone. And um, so everyone knew him, and they, but no one knew his story. Anyway, after he died, this article gets published two, three years after he died say that he was the literary curator of Hitler's Museum of the Extinct Race, which is this kind of concept that's been around that uh, the Nazis had planned to make a museum about Jews after they'd wiped them all out. Um, and they were... And, and the Prague was basically the... was, was, was the, the centre point for it. Um, so they were getting all artefacts and books and Torah scrolls and what have you brought in. Um, and and they, they got Jews to, to, to basically curate it. And my grandfather, according to this article, was the literary curator. Um, and of course, as a grandson who had never heard this story, despite having been incredibly close with his grandfather, like my, my grandfather and I, I were inseparable. We were very, very close. Um, we just didn't... Um, <laughs> we... Um, like, I, to me, I was blown away by it. And I had no... And so I thought, this is such a kind of massive story. I need to check it out. And at the time, I was playing in a punk band and we happened to be touring around and we were in Israel. And I thought, oh, I might take this chance to go to Yad Vashem and to um, Beit Terezin, which is the Terezin Stutt, um, uh, Museum on a kibbutz. Um, and I started looking into it and it became more and more weird. Everyone, like, everyone's just going, no, the story's rubbish, the story's rubbish and closing the door on me. And it kind of became apparent the story as told in that article actually was rubbish. Um, but there was a real story behind it and I could start getting glimpses of it and, and the further I kind of went in, the more I came to um, learn about what he really did, which was extraordinary in its own right. Um, but I, I can see how the parallel was drawn by the person who wrote, the, wrote that article, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a much more... Um, I, I don't know. I, I, like I say in the book, this whole thing that you know, we get caught up in the monolith of, of the Holocaust that we don't really pick the different bits that, you know, we, we don't draw distinctions. We, go, we, we, we don't, you know, distinguish this bit of a story from that bit of a story. Um, and if, if it happens to fit a narrative that, that is one of the common narratives, we just slot it in, mm-hmm. right? And whereas here, um, he was actually involved in a project that has never been written about. Only five people who were involved in it survived. None of them spoke about it. None of them spoke to each other after the war. Like, so there's, you know, and so I kind of, I think I, I uncovered a very interesting story. Um, and at the same time, I started, quite by accident, I stumbled across my grandmother's story. She was the child of converts, of a, sorry, of a convert. Her mother was a convert. And so she, her father and her, she was the oldest sister of four girls. And uh, she and the two elder sisters and the father were taken to concentration camp. The mother and the two younger sisters 
who the Nazis didn't consider Jewish because um, you know it's it's blood, not conversion, um, were not taken. And so the amazing thing is they my my mum's cousin after her after his mother died and she was the youngest of the sisters found in the back of the cupboard a shoebox with letters that were sent from concentration camp to the mother in Park that had been smuggled out. So, And talking about, you know, um, food supplies and medicines coming in and all this. So my great-grandmother, it turns out, was part of this smuggling network to get into the uh, concentration camps. Uh, and so I just had this incredible story on my hands, which was sort of just my family story that I had no idea about. So at that stage, I went from sort of a ancestry investigation into I'm writing a book. Yeah, and this is the thing, I... I, I I wasn't sure that it would be a book. And I, I always kind of, you know, like writing is my passion. I, I, I love it. I, 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 all my spare time is spent reading. Um, but I never thought that that this would be the book. Um, but I just started kind of jotting it out. And I also, for a while, was really getting nowhere with the, the quest part of it, looking, you know, actually looking for the story. So I started kind of imagining their stories from little bits of um, family legend and this and that. And... Um, and I, I kind of started to feel that I was getting to know them better through fiction than I was through this kind of trying to actually find out the truth of their stories. And so the book actually became this kind of strange amalgam of, of fact and fiction. It, I, I call it um, documentary fiction. Like it uses photos. It uses um, you know um, Nazi records. It uses all, all manner of different kind of um, I suppose factual artifact you know, artifacts that um, are now. You know, become springboards for, for storytelling and a lot, also a lot of Czech and Jewish mythology. And so it's kind of like the book is... Look, I was very clear that I, that I want it to be thought of as a novel because I, I don't want people to think that I am, you know, like a Helen Demidenko kind of character, right, trying to pass something off. Like I, I, and when I start getting into the really mythological stuff, it's quite clear that it's a novel, right? But, uh, but it's, very, it's very anchored, very much anchored in truth, and it's very much anchored in, like, even the, all of the, 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 the major plot points that are story-driven, that are part of the fictional narrative, are pretty much from bits told to me by people who knew them, um, you know, documents I found, uh, family members who had been passed down, a bit of family legend, etc. So in, your, in, your, in the writing of this book, I've got this vision of, like, a corporate filled with, like... Post-it notes and pictures. You are absolutely spot on. I actually ended up um, um, renting a studio in a in a writer's kind of retreat, which weirdly happened to be around the corner from me, from where I live, which was very helpful. But the room was literally corkboards everywhere, like and post-it notes and little pinned cardboard things. It was a sea of those things, and and all of which were moving around all the time as um, I got more clarity on, on where things belonged and what have you. It was, it was actually like, it was quite a, you know, that scene in um, uh, A Beautiful Mind. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, exactly, that's pretty much what it looks like. So, well, What I find interesting about this, because you do talk about myth and uh, truth and all that kind of stuff, but the concept of Gollum, yes. which I also found, I was in Prague this time last year, uh, right, right, yes. kind of creepy... And it is, though, it, isn't and it? And also, it kind of feels like it doesn't necessarily fit within Judaism. It seems like out of context. Well, it, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's weird, and I know exactly what you're getting at, and yet it's just this, it's this concept that has been, at least from about the maybe six, 15th, 16th century, but the, 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 the concept of Gollum as we know it from 
you know, the, the Prague Golem did not actually gain currency until after 1900, okay. right? Um, it, it, there was a book that was published um, by, oh, what's his name? Something like Udall Rosenberg, I think is something like that. And he wrote this book called Nifla Ota Maharal, you know, The Miracles of the Maharal. And um, he... He was a Yiddish writer, and he passed it off as if it was this true story. And I actually talk about it in the book. And um, people just and he he actually adopted a, a bunch of golem mythologies from other small, particularly um, from the city of Worms is the classic one. It was Rabbi Eliezer of Worms, um, and he he put all of those stories onto the Maharal, and so and then everyone suddenly just caught on and, and this idea that the golem of prague was a thing dating back to the 1600s when the maharal was around um just became this accepted like narrative and it, and it just before 1900 there really wasn't any connection between the maharal and, and 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 the golem but that said people will still say that the you know the remains of the golem remain in the um roof of the alt um shul uh, which actually my grandfather was the secretary of. Well, that, that, yeah. I, remember, I remember that from the book. What, um, what's been the reaction like of your family, both extended and close? Ah, so this is interesting. For my close family, so my mum, it's her parents. Um, she loved it. And she was, she had, her only complaint was that I left out some very minor details that she wanted about herself in it. Yeah. And I was just like, mum, like... I love you, but the book's not about you. <laughs> but, uh, and um, yeah, my, my, my dad and my brother and, and also my other grandmother, um, all a bit very positive. I've only just sent it to my mum's cousin, Ludwig, who is actually quite a prominent character in the book. And I'm hoping he likes it. Um, I, I personally, he's one of, he, in, the, in the search for this book... He was one of my favourite people to, to, to be involved with. We went on a road trip from, from Prague to Auschwitz because he just decided let's do a road trip, right? Because we keep talking about it. He's never, he, you know, he doesn't consider himself Jewish. He's, he's, you know, his mother didn't consider, consider herself Jewish, but he's always felt it's been part of his story. And he's, he's, he's never, he said he's never had reason to go, but because I'm doing this, this quest, it would interest him to, to go. So, you know, let's go. And we ended up, he books this hotel literally outside the, the, the perimeter fence of Auschwitz. So, you, you know, you, you wake up in the morning, you look out the window and you're looking at the, 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 the fence and the barbed wire and I go, well, this is a lovely place for a hotel, <laughs> right? Um, so I'm hoping he... Look, he doesn't read English. His daughter's going to kind of read it for him and, and, like, she's my age and we're quite friendly. I, I hope that he sees that his parts are written with uh, kind of with love and with just like he's just a funny guy and I just I, I hope I conveyed that he's, just a, he's, a, he's a great guy um, but you know everyone when they see themselves in a book uh, is liable to <laughs> you know see the worst of how they are portrayed and get upset which I hope he doesn't but um, and other than that I actually haven't heard from there are a couple of other people who are I think who will read it and I'm, I'm not sure how they'll take it in the family but no doubt I'll hear yeah. <laughs> no, loudly hey, tell me have you has the Holocaust always been a fascination um not, yes and no like it, 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 it's very growing up it was it was very much a um a part of of my identity in the sense that my grandparents as Holocaust survivors was was a defining 
aspect of who they were. They were very traumatized, clearly very traumatized, and avoided talking about it. And I think the fact that they went to great lengths not to talk about it made it even more of a presence. So, you know, and and look, I'm very interested in just the idea of history and how it's told, and particularly at this point in time where, you know, we're in the last throes of being able to hear firsthand what 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 happened so then the question becomes what is the duty of a writer um or what is the role of a writer when it comes to the holocaust because when i when i think about it like there are all these massive historical periods that have become you know genres in themselves they're 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 you know historical fiction it's massive right but is is the holocaust just going to become another area of historical fiction and the answer is in 100 years time probably yes right but in this kind of bridging bridging moment, it's a really difficult question because who are we to to take any sort of a to take any of the light away from you know people reading Elie Wiesel or, or, or um, you know Primo Levi or that? I mean, I'm never going to be able to say anything um, or bear witness in the way that they can. Um, at the same time, we're also in a position to we're we're now two steps removed. Uh, it's, it's my grandparents and, you know, and, and the generation below, below me who are also writing about it as well, you know, who are three steps removed. And so they, there's still a lot to say about, about the Holocaust that aren't just like straight survivor stories. They're, they're, you know, there are um, important aspects that, that either haven't been touched on or ought to be looked at kind of in a new and, you know, an interesting uh, manner. And also just the, the, the whole, the concept of memory now is like, is, 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 is huge, particularly in, in fiction and, and in, um, just in, in literature in general. So I don't know, like it's, uh, but like for me, it's funny, I, I reckon I, I've, I've started five or six books before this one and they all ended up having aspects of my grandparents' story. And I was always trying to go, I'm not going to write that story. I'm not going to write that story. And then at some point I was just like, if I don't write their story, I'm never going to actually be able to step away from it and write something else. So. Growing up as you know a child and, or a grandchild of a survivor, and then going to Europe and seeing where they were, did that change you? The being physically on the ground. In Europe? Well, it, it, yes and no. Uh, like I'd been to um, I'd been to Theresa a couple of times before. Like I because I've still got family in Prague, I've actually been a number of times. And whenever I go, for some reason, I end up at Theresa and stuff. It was interesting going there as part of the book because I had a really different appreciation of what it was that I was kind of, where, where I was standing, uh, I suppose. And I was lucky enough that the groundskeeper at Theresienstadt, who had been briefed about what I was doing, let me into all these areas that aren't for public mm-hmm. access. And like, you know, I got to climb in the roof spaces and I got to, all these like completely deserted. Like I walked through the barracks, which are completely deserted and they're, they're these massive spaces, concrete spaces. And um, also like the fact that where the group that my grandfather was part of worked is now just a little house outside Theresienstadt. And we were able to get in touch with the owners of the house who allowed me to come in and just check out, like, get, be in this place. And I was telling her the story of what had happened at this house, and she said she had no idea. She said she always had a feeling there was something about this house, right? And so she was, like, she was amazing, actually. It was, and then Auschwitz was interesting, uh, Birkenau, because where my grandfather was was the Czech family camp, and that's not part of the general walking tour, so to speak, of Birkenau. And I, I asked the guide where, 
where is it? He goes, oh, you know, just go down that road and then it's, it's the second camp on your left. It's closed off, but the lock's a bit broken. You could probably sneak in. <laughs> and I did. Like, I, I, like, I, <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's something that I, I, I should be ashamed of or something that's a bit kind of awkward to talk about, but like I broke into a part of Birkenau, right? Like to, to be in where my grand, grandfather was. And for me, that was like the only time. It was a beautiful day. And then I broke into the section Clouds came over and just started raining on me. That was the only time that I felt like chills. In the, the it was incredible. But also like also the train station where the Jews were unloaded um, to go to Theresienstadt, which was uh, it's called uh, Bohusovice, and like it's all, it's all boarded up and all that. So I just kicked the boards down and climbed into the train station because that's all closed off as well, and just walk around this like amazing abandoned space which has clearly been used by squatters like it's yeah. got tags on the wall it's got like a mattress thing. but otherwise it's like this it's a window into the, the past it's incredibly creepy but it was amazing like, it's funny the, 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 the woman who was kind of my, like my tour guide type person helping me get to all these places when I kind of kick in she goes what are you doing you know and she's like freaking out that we we're going to get in trouble I go Maybe you just walk that way a bit, you know, a bit, and I'll and I'll, and I'll, and come back in in ten minutes, and I'll, I'll meet you back out the front so that you don't get in trouble if if I do. Tell me, what, what are you reading at the moment? What am I reading at the moment? I'm actually reading. Um, I'm just finishing the Mosin Hamid um, Exit West, which is very interesting. Um, and I've got I've actually got a ridiculous pile uh, next to my bed. The, the book that I'm trying to get through uh, is uh, the Seventh Function of Language by Laurent Binet. Um, but there's just I mean there's so many it's it, we're, it's a great season at the moment for, for, for literature so it's I'm just the pile is too big and the time too short now we've gone many minutes without even mentioning Youth Corps <laughs> I thought I'd escaped uh, yeah. but <laughs> they pulled me back yes um, what's your relationship like with Judaism look I, it's, it's a, an incredibly strong part of my identity um I would say that I'm very traditional. I'm close to not at all observant, I would say. I, though I, I always joke to, to, to my rabbi this. I, I call myself non-observant orthodox, right? Yeah, the, 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 the stream of, of Judaism that I um, affiliate with but don't in the slightest bit observe is orthodoxy, yeah. right? Um, yeah. But, like, I'm just... I mean, I, I, I'm not fussed by any particular stream I think you know, it's all great and, it's, and for me it's all about the culture anyway I, I love it like I love Jewish music I love Jewish writing um, I should actually yeah the other thing I just finished reading is the new Nicole Krauss book which was very very interesting very cool book um, and like but my thing is also like tradition culture it's something to to enjoy and engage with it's not necessarily something that you have to be like completely, uh, you know, po-faced and, and and solemn about everything. Like, what a boring way to engage with 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 who you are, you know. So, yeah. Where, where's it from here? What's any any other books? The next book. I'm, I'm actually I'm very book keen to. No, 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 no. Yeah, even more dirt. Um, no, I've I, I'm ready to start the next book. I know what it is, uh, but you know what? Like, I, I just had my first kid, and so I'm just. A couple of months off and just enjoying her. This is like this is how how many dads get a chance to you know just that, that life happened that I could take some time off to to be dad. And so I will probably soon go back to uh, go back to the studio and start writing again. Uh, but yeah, I think kind of juggling those two things is 
it's an incredibly enjoyable and exciting time. So, you know. So for those that haven't had a chance to grab a copy of the Book of Dirt, it is just out. Text publishing, bookstores online, grab a copy. Grab a copy, Eden. And read it while having coffee. Grandpa, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the 2017 Shalom Sydney Jewish Writers Festival. To find out more about Shalom's exciting programs and events, go to www.shalom.edu.au or like us on Facebook at Shalom Australia. Are you interested in getting a podcast made for your company or organisation? Contact Rob at rob at etals.com etales.com.au or 0404 289 956.